The Utah Jazz have a head basketball coach once again. That's something that NBA teams like to have. Uh, big breaking news for the for the Jazz franchise in a week when maybe there will be more big breaking news because free agency is a couple of days away, uh, impacting what they may or may not do there. They have some trade options and rumors and and some potential for moving some some important pieces. So there's a lot to sift through there. So with that in mind, we thought it was a good time for another Salt City Hoops podcast. Welcome in to the discussion. Uh, I'm Dan Clayton, the managing editor of saltcityhoops.com. I'm joined by Ken Clayton, one of the crack contributors and my most frequent podcast guest. Um, Ken, thanks for joining me. Um, back, if, I'm a, back if I'm a crack, in, if I'm a crack conti- uh, participant, do, is, does that require me to have crack? I, yeah, I, you're the crack participant. I'm the meth participant. Okay. I don't know. Um, welcome back to this side of the planet. You've, um, you've been jaunting all around. I don't even know where. Um, my wife is on Facebook more than I am. So she says you've been interesting places. I trust her. Um, and you, you said there may be a little, uh, little jet lag going on. So hopefully we can keep you awake by talking about some exciting jazz stuff and this and this is take two on this podcast so (laughs) piling on more more challenging circumstances for you on this evening of of basketball news yeah uh in fact originally when we started this around nine i thought that'd be perfect we'd easily be wrapped up by 10 30 my time and i could get to bed if i needed to now it's 10 50 so that that's where we are tonight you, you know, sometimes everything goes right, and then there are other times. Um, let's let's talk real quickly about the thing that we um, that was that was not the reason we were planning to talk tonight, but now it would be weird if we didn't, and that's the coaching hire. Um, it was announced this afternoon that the Jazz have uh, have made an offer to Will Hardy to be the franchise's next head coach. Um, it, that means that search lasted about three weeks and a couple of days since Quinn Snyder made his stepping down official. Um, and, you know, you and I don't get to like <clears throat> meet Will Hardy at the hotel buffet or anything like that. So, uh, you know, but, but what are your impressions overall? And, and is there anything about the process or the outcome or Will Hardy himself that surprises you or or that you or that stands out to you about you know the way that this now 22 23 day search has uh, has played out nothing really about will hardy himself i mean i think that the nature of these things is if you get a coach who has been a head coach in the league before there's usually a little bit more knowledge about them but there's usually you know, good and bad because the guy's been around the block and he's, he's probably done some good things, but he's probably also had some, some uh, challenges in his career. And that's one reason he's available at the current time with a, with a brand new head coach. I think generally what you hear is kind of optimism and he's a guy who's been ready and that sort of thing, but you're right. It's, it's impossible for most of us to have any idea what kind of a head coach a guy will be who has never been a head coach before as far as the process the only thing that surprised me a little bit is uh, they talked about a six-week time frame when they hired uh, Quinn Snyder to replace Ty Corbin and said this process would probably be similar and yet they did it in about half the time give or take so from what we from what we've heard today a radio interview with Tony Jones sounds like he came in and wowed the staff with with his preparation and his philosophy and maybe that's why they were able to move it a little faster which is probably a good thing because like you said in the intro nba teams generally do have head basketball coaches yeah and i and i do i'm glad that they that they wrapped it up i do think that it would have been hard to go into free agency knowing the specific class of free agent the jazz are going to have contact with which is what we'll spend the most this you know the majority of this podcast talking about I think when you're talking to, you know, if, if the jazz were, were in reach to sign someone like Jalen Brunson or, or some of the other marquee free agents, those guys know that a team is going to sign them and pay them 25, 30 million to play and to be featured and to, and to have their skills kind of be part of the defining characteristic of how the team plays. 
when you're talking to minimum salary guys or, or even certain exception guys, by definition, those are, those are dudes who probably want to have a little bit of an insight into, into how a coach plans to use them. You know, are, am I going to play 22 minutes a game or 11 minutes a game, or am I going to wave a towel? Um, so, you know, look, if it had gone as long as, as they, as they referenced the Quinn Snyder process going, I, I, I'm sure it wouldn't have been debilitating, but secretly I'm, I'm actually glad I was, I was mildly concerned that it would be a competitive disadvantage to sit down and have those conversations in free agency and have guys go, okay, well, am I going to play? Well, yeah, of course you're going to play. We, we want to, yeah, we, we have a big role envisioned for you. Okay. Who sets that role? Oh, we don't know yet. Like, I just feel like that would have been awkward. Yeah, I'm sure it would have. I'm I'm sure it would have been at least a, a potential stumbling block in in talking to free agents, especially if there was any competitive, you know, a, a free agent who's trying to decide between two teams. It's going to be a whole lot easier to potentially agree with a team where you know who that head coach is, you know what they've done in the past. Maybe you even speak to that head coach and and kind of hammer out at least the 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 rough idea of what that role looks like. Whereas on the jazz side, had they not made this hire today, you could talk to an empty chair. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with all of that. Um, as, as far as Will Hardy himself, you know, like I said, I, I don't, um, I don't have a ton of insight there beyond what's been reported. I, I do feel like he's ready and he's someone that they envision um, leading the team into what they hope is a, is another competitive season, as has been reported. They also wanted someone, in fact, I've written about this too. They also wanted someone who, if at some point things turn and, and they do find themselves in a bit of a rebuild, um, they wanted someone who was going to be okay with that too. So like, I'm not sure if you hire a, a Terry Stotts or a Frank Vogel, and then six months later, you know, someone demands something or you get a godfather offer for Gobert or, or, or just, you know, a year from now, the results are the same and you feel like you have to shake it up. Um, I feel like a Stotter or a Vogel probably says, Hey, this isn't what I signed up for. Whereas, you know, someone, so, so I know that that's something that mattered to the jazz and they went into this process being pretty open with people about, you know, the, the different ways that the competitive situation could play out. Um, but the thing, the thing about Hardy, you know, and, and he's so damn young that it's easy to like, forget that he's actually been in the NBA for a minute. Um, that it looks like he started with, um, with the Spurs in an intern role as many as like, it was a little unclear because there were a couple different accounts of how his career has unfolded, but it's been like a dozen years that he's been connected with that franchise. And then on top of that, like every couple of years, getting a, you know, then he was promoted to a video coordinator role. Then he was promoted to lead video coordinator, then promoted to the bench. Then, so, you know, if you were just, if you were evaluating him on LinkedIn or evaluating him the way that people evaluate new hires, you'd, you'd feel like it was a good sign that like, this is someone who, what's the term they use, like escalating level of responsibility. Um, And I think that that is, that's, that's consistent with what, people who like him have, have said is just, he's, he's someone who impresses anyone he's ever been around for any length of time. Yeah. And, and like, I, I think I already said, they, they felt like he came in and wowed them on his initial interview. And I, and I guess came in is the wrong word because it sounds like reading between the lines that the first interview or two might've been virtual, but then that he did come out to Salt Lake city for a, a more recent interview but at every step, he impressed the team and helped them to whittle down that list a little faster than maybe they had originally anticipated. So and honestly, the, the things I heard about the hiring process really struck a, struck a chord with what we heard when Quinn Snyder was hired. That that Because I, I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember all the names, but, but there were other names that seemed like they were going to be bigger. But but quickly people were impressed by Quinn Snyder and who he was. And to me anyway, because I didn't have a background with him as a college coach or, a, or an assistant coach or certainly not a coach overseas, but I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere and, and that's a little bit how Will Hardy is to me. I know his name has been on the list the whole time, but I didn't know, you know, it, I wouldn't know him from Adam until, you know, 
now where I'm going to be seeing him probably a hundred nights in the next year. Yeah. Yeah. On my television, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Stalker alert. Well, um, yeah, no, I agree with all of that. Um, I, I do think that there is something a little Snyder-esque in him in in his precociousness and his sort of wide angle lens on the world. And, um, you know, I've spent the evening watching little bits of, of interviews on YouTube and, and panel interviews he's spoken on. And, and he's kind of, I think he kind of has that same Snyder-esque quality that like, he's probably the smartest guy in most rooms he's, he's walk, he walks into. Um, at the same time, I know that one of the things the franchise is a little concerned about is putting that expectation on him of people wanting him to be Quinn Snyder good in year one. Um, and, you know, look, Qu Quinn had to grow into that role too and kind of figure out his voice and figure out, you know, what he wanted to accomplish. He was already like a basketball genius and a genius genius and all those things, but figuring out how to apply that did take him some time to be fair. It wasn't, you know, Quinn, Quinn's, he inherited a different roster, but it also took him until his third season to reach the playoffs. Um, I, it might not take Hardy that long because he has a better starting point as of today, which we'll get into. Um, but I just, you know, that's one thing I would note is, you know, he's, he's someone who at 34 is going to have to figure out how to be an NBA head coach. I don't think that's something that you're just kind of born with, even though, like I said, he's, he's been around the NBA for a minute. Yeah. I mean, you know, fingers crossed he has a, he has a quick first year early or at least early impact like uh, Ime Odoka did in Boston coming from that same tree and literally working for him for, for the past year. But uh, you know, no guarantees. He, we, we remind ourselves of that um, as business owners all the time. We're like, the new person isn't nearly as good as the old person was and the sky is falling. And then we remind ourselves, well, the old person did that job for three years and we're not, we can't compare the three year experience product with the person who just walked in the door last week. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, let's shift gears and talk about the thing we wanted to talk about tonight, which was free agency. And, and you can't really talk about free agency without first talking about how fluid the, the overall roster situation is, because I think most years you go into free agency, you know, last year being an example, I think it was pretty clear that the jazz weren't making a, a huge change in the sense that like their stars were going to be there. Mike Conley was coming off an all-star, uh, an all-star season. Most people, or at least I didn't think Mike was, you know, likely to be, to be dealt last off season. Same for bogey to a lesser degree, you know, other guys. Um, and so, and so once you, once you kind of penned some names into the depth chart, there was a clear idea of what the jazz needed and more importantly, what they didn't need. And so you could already, you could go through the free agent list and kind of scratch people off because like, look, they just didn't need a starting caliber center. They didn't need more ball movers. They didn't need, um, you know, some of those things this year. I think it's, it's way more, um, <clears throat> it's way more fluid than that to the degree that we want to believe the, the nature of all the trade rumors, I do think that the jazz um, will come back, will come back a little different. Um, I think they feel like they need to, I feel like they want to get bigger and longer and more athletic and younger. Um, so, so I guess let's just start there as a precursor to the free agent talk. Like what, what do you think um, the degree of changes we're about to behold are, are the, you know, Let's start with, you know, whether it's whether you want to focus on the rotation guys or the top six minute getters, like how many of the guys are, are back next season in your estimation as a starting point to figuring out what the resulting roster needs are going to be. I, I tweeted about this earlier today or replied to somebody else's tweet, um, and, and I took it ab about rotation players, although that's that's also been in flux this past year because who was the rotation player now? Was it, was it Rudy Gay or was it Juancho Arnaud Gomez? Because they, they kind of, that, that role was handed over very late in the season. Anyway, out of what I will call the eight or nine, I guess, with Trent Forrest rotation players, I said today that I expect the Jazz will trade 
one to three of them. And I don't think at this current moment, late on June 28th, that either of those will be Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. Um, just the way things sound right now, I think those two, I mean, I've always, we've always assumed that Donovan Mitchell was sticking around. Uh, any reports that we've heard otherwise seem to have always been sourced from other teams or media folks maybe seek, seeking clicks. Um, so with those two there, I'm thinking one to three of the rest of the rotation players. So Bogdanovich, O'Neal, Clarkson, Conley, and then, you know, the other guys. Gay Whiteside. Well, Whiteside and, Pas and House are free agents and, and Hernan Gomez could be. That's something that we are going to find out in the next, I guess, 48 hours um, with his guarantee. So, but yeah, I, I would guess one to three. And I'd, I'd probably, if I had, if I were betting and had to pick a single number, I'd, I'd go with two right in the middle of that group. But I think that's kind of what we're looking at is you're going to send out one to three and hopefully you're going to get back one to three or one to four guys who can step into a rotation slot and perform well for the, for the upcoming season. Yeah, that's, that's about where I'm at. I, I, so I, I don't think that they desire to move Don or Rudy. Um, I think that there's probably a, a mythical line in the sand somewhere for both guys. I, I don't think it's likely that any of the trade offers hit those, hit those thresholds. Cause I think they're high. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, take that for what it's worth. So, so if you're, if you're keeping that the same, but you need to get bigger, it's hard to get bigger. If you're not, if you're keeping Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson together. Right. Um, so I think something's probably got to give there. And then, you know, so the, the way I've been framing it is I think probably of bogey Conley, Royce O'Neal, I would guess they maybe move two of them. Um, again, I think that there are enough scenarios where you can imagine Conley bringing back a big wing or two. Um, and then, and then, you know, then you've got bogey and Royce sitting there and, and what feels a little odd about those situations is, you know, if you say you want to get bigger, you, you're really going to start by trading your six, nine guy who is one of your best scorers. And if you say you want to get more defensive, you're going to trade Royce, who's probably your only plus defender on the perimeter. So I get that the optics are weird behind those, but also like, I, I think that, I think that those are guys who can bring back a return that would make it worthwhile. And that would give the jazz um, some of the things they're looking for, but, but more importantly, just a sense of newness. I, I get the feeling that they sort of want to give whoever their returning players are a sense that this is not just running it back, that there's a new coach and a new voice in the locker room. And also that they're going to be trying some new combinations and some new iterations. Um, in fact, since I, since I read this on take one of our podcast, I might as well <laughs> read it again, <laughs> except that I had navigated away from that page. Except now you can't find it because why would anything go right? I mean, really, it's that kind of night. So here's what Tony Jones wrote today in his article on The Athletic um, about what the Jazz want to do with their roster. The ja this is me quoting Tony. The Jazz are heavily emphasizing wings and positional size on the perimeter. Ultimately, that's what Utah would like its main roster to look like. Donovan Mitchell at the point, surrounded by a bunch of guys with positional size who can dribble, pass, and shoot. Which at first flush makes me go like, okay, that makes sense. Like, of course they want that. And then right, like almost in the same breath, I go, well, damn, everybody wants those things. So I think it's, I think it's easier said than done, but if you start to believe in that vision, I think you do have to be willing to move a couple of those, a couple of those top six minute getters who, by the way, like I, I do believe that all of them have some kind of market, right. And it's obviously different for each guy based on, you know, factors like age and production and all that, but. Um, I, I think that the jazz will, I think that the jazz will make a couple of changes, even within that sort of core group at the top, the main, right. the main five or six guys. I, I think you almost have to, and you mentioned a, maybe kind of a, 
a, a responsibility or obligation to the players, but just a responsibility or obligation to the organization itself, just to kind of say, hey, we can't. Can you can you say you're trying to excel and, and be your best and put your best product on the floor and then just keep rolling out the same thing? So you got to make a change somewhere. And if it's not going to be the two guys at the top, your two, your two all-stars or multiple time all-stars, I guess I should say, um, then you've got to look at okay, who's my next guy and what and who's what's the market for each one of these other guys? And and you've got to change it up a little bit. I think Tony mentions later in that maybe it's the very next line in that article, or maybe it's somewhere else where he says, This isn't all gonna happen this coming season, most likely. It's it, yeah. because because you can't pivot and send out all your less athletic, smaller aging guys and bring back exactly what you want all across the roster. So it's going to be the type of thing where hopefully they can get one or two of these guys and, you know, this season and, and maybe improve in some other ways, whether that's internal or bring in a guy who maybe doesn't tick all the boxes, but tick some of them. And then you keep, you know, improving as you can yeah yeah no so number one you're right that was the very next sentence in his article um i i do think um and this is this is an informed opinion which is to say it's my opinion but also like i'm not talking out of my butt here like um i do think that it would surprise fan I, i do think that there is a real level of interest for even some of the complimentary starters and starter minute type guys. Um, so, I, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a Conley deal or a Royce deal or a bogey deal um, or a Clarkson deal. Although I, you know, one of the things with Clarkson is like, he, d- he does some things that almost no one else on the jazz roster does, but, um, and, and everybody who follows me knows that like, I'm also aware of his flaws and the, and the things that he does that are frustrating, but, so anyway, if you take, if you look at those four guys, like, um, I do think you could turn them into something that is sort of in a similar tier, but maybe checks some of those boxes of bigger, longer, younger, more athletic, maybe in some cases cheaper. Um, and then, and then you go and you fill around that with free agency, which is what we wanted to talk about, but you can't really talk about it without doing all of this ramp up, which we're doing. I was going to mention one more thing. The, the advantage I think the Jazz have this year with trades they, that they didn't have last year, at least that I can recall off the top of my head, is they've got some of these contracts that are like nickels and dimes that, yeah. you know, so you can trade, you can trade a Conley or a Clarkson or an O'Neill, but the guy that you want to match salary with doesn't quite work. Well, now they have Alexander Walker, they've got Gay, and if they act in the next 48 hours, they have some flexibility with Hernan Gomez's contract to, yep. to add up to, you know, make, to make deals work. To, it just helps grease the wheels on some of these deals um, from a salary perspective. And last year, it just doesn't seem like they had any of that at all. So if you couldn't make a deal for this guy, for that guy, because the salaries didn't match, you were done because you just, you just didn't have a, yep. an opportunity. There wasn't a middle ground on salary. Yeah, for right. sure. Um, and, by, and by the way, just so folks know, when you trade a non-guaranteed player, um, the outgoing team only counts the guaranteed portion of his salary in, in terms of calculating what they can bring back. But the receiving team has to be able to accommodate the full salary. So, um, but, but where that gets interesting, like, like Ken mentions with Juancho, is the Jazz could actually for the next 48 hours, they could negotiate a, a higher guarantee figure for Juancho. Or by the way, like Washington could do this with Contavious Caldwell Pope, or a lot of teams could do this with a lot of guys. You could negotiate, you, you could tell the guy like, hey, you're going to get traded and, and maybe waived, but we're going we're gonna to guarantee more of your salary um, so, that, so that the numbers work in a deal. So yeah, it's, it's, it's more workable and, and um you know, anyway, we'll, we'll see where it goes. And in Wancho's case, when your salary guaranteed number is zero, any number is higher than that. So there's just a whole yeah. lot of flexibility to say, hey, you're going to get traded. You might get waived, but 
now instead of getting zero dollars for getting waived, we've arranged it so you'll you know, get whatever, two million, three million, five million, whatever, and they can customize that for whatever, whatever they need to make a trade work. Yeah. Not that I even think that's necessarily the most likely path, but to your point, no. there's there's more flexibility in the way that the jazz can get to a certain salary number than there has been in, in the last few years. Um, what we wanted to do with all of that as a backdrop is say, okay, the Jazz are going to move some guys, so we don't know exactly who. So normally we go into the offseason saying, oh, the Jazz need, you know, this many wings and they need another backup guard and they, you know, they might need a sender and whatever. This year we kind of don't know, right? I mean, you know, we, ha we have an idea that they're not trading either of the big cats, but, but if we're wrong on that, then now suddenly instead of needing a backup five, you need like 30 minutes a night at the five. And so um, what Ken and I decided to do, um, and Ken, I did mine a little differently. I, I imposed a, a added rule on mine that I didn't tell you about. So our lists will not sound exactly alike, but we went through the list of available free agents and we just, we just tried to frame it in terms of, okay, of the guys who might be, you know, emphasis on might, might be available for the minimum the taxpayer MLE or the TPE. Now to use a TPE to bring, to bring in a free agent, you need that free agents previous team to cooperate with you. But there, those are kind of the three ways the jazz could bring someone in if they're willing to incur all the taxes and costs associated with that um, players who might be in that range um, who, who we think could fill some of the needs that could result from whatever trades they have coming um, or perhaps better said that accomplish what Tony wrote about today, right? Positional size, dribble, pass and shoot. So with that said, um, Ken, the, the added layer I added to mine is I, I just, I wanted to have some guys in different positional groupings. So I held myself to two guards, two wings and two bigs um, with some other names that kind of didn't make the cut, but, but that's my list. I understand that, that you had a harder time coming up with um, names for some of these categories in particular, the <laughs> any, anybody who wasn't a big, it was harder yeah. to come up with for you. Yeah. I've, I found, you know, the, the cliche that you can always find a big at the minimum. Uh, boy, I found a bunch. In fact, I listed out, I've got seven on my list here and there were even a couple that I could have added beyond that. Uh, but I did find, you know, a guy or two at every position. So I think we'll, we'll end up being, you know, we'll, we'll have a good discussion here. So let's start at the, at the, in the back court. I'm going to let you go first because you've got your list in your, in your order you have. Give me a name. Um, so, so if they need a guard um, and, and it's, it's weird, right? Because we just said that they want to get bigger and that they don't necessarily need more um, need more ball movers, except that if you're moving on from Mike Conley in a deal, you probably want to have another, another pick and roll creator, someone else who can run a little bit of structured offense when Donovan sits so that when Donovan sits, you're not just fully relying on Jordan Clarkson freestyling. Um, so, so I was looking for who could fill that kind of role. Who's also big for his position and defends well and, and shoots well. And I think the name that jumps out is Delon Wright. Now, I have no idea if Delon Wright is available in that price range. I think he might be because he's someone who has mostly been playing like backup minutes. And I don't even mean backup minutes like Clarkson. I mean, like he's, he's been like backing up Trey young. He's been playing like minutes in the teens. <clears throat> so I'm not sure that he's someone who's necessarily pulling a full mid-level exception offer. Um, but I, do, but I don't think, I think he's too good right now to, to necessarily be a minimum signing. Um, so I don't know, would the jazz, would the jazz be okay paying the tax on a, on a tax MLE deal or, or, or using a chunk of the tax MLE? I don't know, but he has turned himself into quite the shooter. Um, he, um, he, he knows Utah. He played collegiately at the university of Utah. Um, I think he's, I think he's semi-realistic as, as a, a basketball fit. And I think he checks a lot of the boxes they would need if they were to move on from Mike Conley. Um, what I don't know is if he's a realistic fit financially. Right. And then, and that becomes the question with everybody is, you know, when you're, when you're dealing at this low end of, 
the uh, of the market is who's really available for that amount. Um, it feels like this year, just my read of the free agency market is that there's going to be that that it's pretty light, and so there's going to be there's going to be some ability for players. It might be a good market for them to get a little more than what they might get in another market in, in a different season, but uh, we'll have to see how that works out. But yeah, can, so can you get, can the, could the Jazz get right for either with Atlanta's cooperation, the trade of player exception, or the taxpayer mid-level or some portion of that? Probably not minimum. I agree with you there. He's not going that low. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then the other guard on my list. Well, I don't know. Let's let's hear one of yours because well, I was gonna say the other guard on my list is another guy who's probably a little too spendy, but it's just a fantasy. But let, but let's let's trade off. Let's hear one of yours first. All right. Well, as you may already know from take one of this podcast, Delon Wright was my first guy. So we've already talked about him. So I will go move on to my second guy. And your description there might makes me think we might even have the same name for this one. But with this is not, we're now breaking new ground from take one of the we podcast. Now, we, we are in <laughs> uncharted waters. <laughs> from this point forward, we have no idea what the no. other guy is going to say. <laughs> so he wasn't originally on my list, but he was kind of off to the side because I thought he would be a little too pricey. But when you said two at each position, I dragged him over into the column. And if there were any way at this stage for this kind of money to get Victor Oladipo, I would think the Jazz would potentially jump at that. He's not as good a shooter, but he's but he's a guy who's been able to still make an impact on the defensive end. And if you know you can bring him in and not really be relying on him, maybe you can maybe you can get enough out of him to to uh, help your team. I don't know. Was that the guy you had on your list or no? Uh, it's not the guy I was talking about. I had Victor okay. Oladipo in my wings section. Oh, because okay. He's, he's not like a ball True. handling guard in that sense. Yeah. So I, I, I put him, I put him up with the wings. Um, I, I love the Oladipo idea. Um, he's also, by the way, he's coming off a minimum salary, a one-year minimum salary. And he's also, um, and, and he also reportedly is open to a short-term deal this year while he reestablishes his value um, in a rumor today, he was linked to Sacramento. And I feel like if you're willing to play in Sacramento, you're willing to play anywhere. Right. So, <laughs> so I, I actually think, sorry, today, sorry, Sacramento. Yeah. I mean, look, my wife grew up close to there. I have a family close to like, love you sack, but also let's be real. So, um, <clears throat> so having said that, I, I, I love the Victor Oladipo idea. I don't think it's necessarily that crazy if he really wants a place to hang out for a year, rehab his value. Um, he wasn't great for Miami in the regular season, but he had some awesome moments, especially defensively yeah. in the playoffs. He just doesn't really shoot. And everybody's kind of always known that about him. And how much does that matter? Yeah. Okay. So, so ball handling guards, go ahead. And uh, and this, and even that's a stretch with, with the other oh. spendy guard I had, cause he's not like a point guard, but he, he has functioned in the past as someone who can hold the ball a little bit and, and score and whatever. Um, and that's Gary Harris. Uh -huh. Um, now again, I, you're probably only getting Gary Harris if Orlando is willing to facilitate something with the TPE. And that means you're probably having to send some kind of asset to Orlando. Um, so, so I don't know. Do the Jazz want to pay the tax on his salary and give up an asset for a guy who did who had a down year? He did not have a great year. Yeah. He's also six four, so he's not huge, but he's he's six four with a six seven wingspan. And as a two, I feel like you like that's like if he were your three at six, four, if we were talking about Amadou Diallo, who's six, four, but is really more of a small forward type. Um, I think that's problematic and doesn't really fit the, the description of positional size, but, but I think, I think at six, four and, and Gary Harris, at least historically has a good reputation defensively. Um, <clears throat> he hasn't looked quite the same since the injury. And that's something worth checking out. But if there were, if there was a way to, if there was a way to bring him it like, look, it's definitely a win now move. And it's a move where like, if he's going to continue to look slowed down by that injury, 
it could it could pretty quickly turn into a a bad move or or like a Rudy Gay sort of wow that guy kind of disappeared quickly but i like him as a as a potential value like a starting caliber guy who you could probably get for less than starting caliber money right now right if that's still who he is and and i don't know yeah and i i i think a lot of us expected or a lot of people expected last year that he was going to get bought out but orlando doesn't seem to play the buyout game the last few years um and i expected he was going to end up back in denver um the buyout didn't happen so he didn't go back to denver i don't know if maybe he goes back to denver this offseason or or you know maybe he is out there and available to grab i did have him kind of off to the side of my more, a little more my wings list but yeah it, where where he really fits in as a wing or a guard is yeah up, yeah, up, yeah yeah and by the way i i looked while you were saying that I, since i just accused him of having a down year i wanted to quantify that and i'm, I'm actually kind of wrong um he actually had a year that was pretty consistent with his career norms so 28 minutes per game 38 percent three-point shooting 11 points per game those are all kind of in line with his career figures a little lower on rebounding a little lower on assists he i think defensively he wasn't as good but um you know bottom line is uh, if if you think there's a player in there, he's still he's going to be 28 before the season starts, so he's not old. He just is coming off an injury, so you you gotta you gotta be confident that you're going to get, you know, Denver era Gary Harris back. Um, and if you do look, I mean, Gary Harris coming back for that for that 2020 playoff series helped Denver erase the one three deficit. I mean, he came back and instantly mm-hmm. had an impact because his length made things a little tougher on Donovan Mitchell. And um, so, so, you know, for those reasons, I'm, I'm a believer in the idea of Gary Harris. The, the question is how close is the player to that idea? Right. All right. So those are, those are my two names. You, you uh, let's, let's do one of yours. Now we, we have gone through both of your guards. All right. <clears throat> uh, in my, wing section a little longer six six kind of a question of who how many guys are going to jump ship on a team that just won a championship but i've wondered about juan toscano anderson and for some strange reason on my list here i put the hyphen between his first name and toscano and not where it belongs i'm i'm a dyslexic (laughs) dyslexic hyphenator um so yeah i just He's a guy, he's played 13 minutes a game last year, much less in the playoffs. You have to think he would be looking to get out and do something. Is he restricted? I don't have that in front of me. He's he's restricted. He, he's restricted. Um, he's restricted, but, which is kind of the only reason he didn't make my list. Okay. Um, I, I like JTA. He, his second season was much better than this past season. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going to say that, actually, that, that he did. He was down this year compared to the prior year, although much like the year that Eric Pascal was in Golden State, he got a better. He got more opportunity to play in his second year because they were torn apart. And right. this year with with everything, you know, with with um, pool playing clay coming back, Steph playing out of his mind and then winning a championship, there just wasn't as much opportunity. But he's a guy, he's not a great shooter, but I think he can bring something defensively. He's longer. And then, you know, you got to look and see if you're if you're the Justin Zanix or the Danny Ainge of the world or the David Fisdale as of today. You got to say, what do we project he could do if he got more minutes? And maybe they look at him and say he could do more. And then you got to say, what would the Warriors match given where they're already at on a on a cap sheet perspective? Um, and go from there. You, you probably would have to go a little higher to bust him out. I just forgot to check about the restricted or unrestricted until we were talking. Yeah, I'll, I mean, you know, yeah, the thing is his his qualifying offer is just 2.1 million. So they are going to QO him, right? It's not one of these situations sure. where the QO is so high that there's a risk in in even putting that on the table and a, and a player snatching it up. And now you're paying tax on a wild on a wild QO. Um, so, so he will be restricted. I, I think he's probably gettable just because of the tax situation that is so bad in, in golden state that at some point they have to make choices. 
um, because of the restricted thing, actually the next guy for me, um, and this just shows you how inconsistent I am with positional definitions. Cause my next guy on the wings list is actually someone that was smaller than some of the <laughs> other guys we discussed on my, on the guards list. And that's Gary Payton, the second, um, just because he, you know, so he's six, three, but he's someone that even Bobby Marks mentioned as a jazz possibility. I, I don't think Bobby Marks was reporting that. I think he was just saying like, he makes some sense there as a, as a, you know, tax MLE pickup. Um, he's someone who did sort of hang on to his role into the playoffs, um, played quite well in the playoffs actually. And um, he's an advanced stats darling, but, but that's not necessarily why I love him. I love him because he's tough as hell defensively. Um, he runs the floor. He he's an okay shooter. Although the shot kind of comes and goes, he's had really good years and really bad years. And he's had, situations where you didn't play a lot and obviously that affects your rhythm so it's it's a little hard to figure out exactly what he is offensively you know he, he's really a he's a catch and shoot guy and then a tough as heck defender and um and those are the reasons that i like him but again six three is a little bit small for what we've been talking about um so do you feel okay with with six three gary payton the second playing alongside six one donovan um you know, I think I probably do just because again, he's your two. It's not like, it's not like he's your three or your four. I, I think you can get away with it, but I'm not sure it's exactly what the franchise is envisioning when they say positional size. So I, I don't, I don't know how realistic a name that is, but um, he's someone, he's someone I like and has a lot of the attributes the jazz are specifically looking for. Yeah. I read somewhere just some speculation, not a report the Warriors would probably look to keep one of Otto Porter Jr. or Gary Payton the second. There's only there's only room for one junior, I guess, out of the yeah. one's junior, one's the second. But uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I think Gary Payton would be a nice fit. But you're right; I'd, he'd be even a nicer fit if he was two inches taller. And Otto, by the way, is not not on my list. In fact, he's he's literally like I have parentheses under my wings section where I listed Otto and Batum and, and uh, another name, by the way, that is worth mentioning, even though he didn't make my final list is Thad young. Um, mm -hmm. He, he got dealt and then really didn't play after that trade. Um, and look, he's 33. So, or actually he's 34 now. He just turned 34 last wow. week. So at 34, you do worry about seeing a guy all of a sudden fall off a cliff in terms of minutes and points. But I wonder how much of that was situational versus like he forgot how to play basketball. Mm -hmm. So, so, I mean, those three guys are probably size wise. Again, that's Otto, Nick Batum and Thad, um, Thad Young, Thaddeus Young. Those three guys probably size wise more fit the bill. I just, I had them as kind of secondarily on my list because I, A, I don't know how realistic any of the three are, right? Nick Batum is reportedly headed back to the Clippers. Right. Um, auto, you know, will like, they literally just threw a parade. So who knows how antsy he is about getting somewhere else and, and making more money and getting a bigger role and whatever. But those are, those are three, like actual big wings. If you're looking for actual big wings. I, I had both of those two. I didn't have Thad Young. I hadn't typed his name in, but I had Porter and Batum in my kind of, yeah. Wings might be a small ball five type of a role. Uh, keeping those guys on my radar as well. The other name I had in the wings was, I know you mentioned in your draft, because I don't think you published that yet. Is that correct? I just, no, I'm just, no, I'm no. peering, I'm peering into the future and seeing what, what Dan is going to say. No. Um, yeah. Well, you, you told me to. <laughs> um, you mentioned that Bruce Brown was a little shorter, six foot four. Yeah. But he plays, I think he plays much bigger. He's got a six nine wingspan. I think he can guard up one, two, three, and some fours. Um, I guess that does scare scare me a little. Is he too much like a Royce O'Neal? But what if Royce O'Neal's not around? So he's a guy who I could see at that position as well, coming in, helping out the Jazz again, particularly if Royce O'Neal has been dealt somewhere else and, and there's not really that type of player that came back in return unrestricted by the way. Yeah. Um, and, and advanced stats love him. Um, 
Bruce Brown is someone who his shooting numbers fluctuate a little bit. So he's not always on these lists, but you know how I do those lists every off season where it's like, okay, who are the guys with plus defensive numbers in the, in the most relevant play types and who also shoot 35% or, or better on catch and shoot threes. Bruce Brown is on those lists more often than he's not. So yeah, I, I think he's a, a very literal three and D guy um in that sense and and someone who's always kind of been on my radar although again you know he's six four six five and so you just you, you have to decide if that's what you mean by positional size right yeah did we get through all of your wings then yes okay so we got through all of mine and plus i snuck in a couple of honorable mentions there right um let's let's talk about your big list of bigs all right do you want me to just read down all my no, seven of them or um, I'll, st- I'll start at the top Okay. with the caveat that the Jazz had a bad experience overpaying since they're paying Rudy Gobert so much and then they overpaid Derek Favors so I hesitate a little bit to say go spend the whole taxpayer MLE on a center but that's what you'd probably have to do to even get a, a shot at this get guy. Your, get your phone call returned. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the probably the best name on this list is Isaiah Hartenstein, who seems like he's probably going to be a casualty of the of the John Wall presumed signing in LA Clipperland. So the 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 other downside of that and the other reason why that might not work, even if the Jazz said, yeah, we'll spend this, and that ended up being enough to get him, is the role enough to get him? And I don't know if that's the case. Is he is he signing up for the 16 minutes a night or less that Hassan Whiteside did? And I think by the end of the year, Hassan Whiteside wasn't in love with that role, um, especially when it was less than 16 minutes. So I, I don't know that that gets in, but I think certainly as far as a talent and age and and potential he's the best of the names on this list um so so i agree and he was on my list too i think he's i think he's a weird fit for the jazz because he's probably too good to um you know to hold rudy gobert's warm-up jacket right and yet i'm not sure he's good enough that if the jazz did make a gobert trade you'd want him starting and playing 30 minutes a night um, so he's, he's kind of, I, I think he'll probably wind up in a situation where like, maybe they already have like a starting ish caliber center, or, or maybe it's a team that plays small enough that they need a guy, but they don't need a guy who's there for 36 minutes. Like, um, cause, cause you're right. I mean, he, he is an elite rim protector. Um, he's an elite pick and roll finisher. He does basically all of the things that Rudy Gobert does. He also doesn't do most of the things that Rudy Gobert doesn't do. He's, he's kind of a facsimile or a, or a lesser, you know, a a middle-class man's Rudy Gobert. I like him a lot. Um, I'm not sure for all the reasons, like I said, I'm not, this isn't me poking holes in your list. He was on my list too. I just, I'm not sure if, like you said, it's, it's a tough role fit. Then, then there's the money thing that you'd have to figure out too. Yeah. I mean, nobody on this list is going to be, is going to come without flaws because we're looking for players at the bottom of the, of, of the NBA salary structure. So for sure. And then after him, I, I really wrestled with the order. Um, Cause again, I was trying to do like broadly speaking two for each of those positional groupings. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to decide who got my second spot and who were honorable mentions and I went, I, I, I switched that around a bunch of different times. So I'm going to be a wuss and I'm going to have you go to your second name oh. so that I can see how bad my judgment was. I don't know. Cause to me, all these guys are, everybody left is probably a minimum sort of guy. Maybe, maybe one of them's not, but they're all pretty close. And so it's just more of a plug in a, your 16 minute a night white side role. Um, I'll go probably the next best guy I think on here is uh, Mitchell Robinson. Oh, okay. See, here's the thing. I, I love Mitchell Robinson. I, I didn't put him on solely because I didn't know if it was 
a realistic get. Yeah, I I, I don't need. Um, but I but, do. Yeah, I mean, I got when I guess when I made this, and then it was earlier in the day before they had just traded two guys um, to to presumably carve out the space for Jalen Brunson. Um, so now their roster might be in a little less state of flux than it was five hours ago when I was yeah. driving home and making this list. Um, but he's a guy I think could fit. Um, I have a whole list of others and sure. whoever you say when you, if, when you finally stake your claim and make your second pick here, I'll bet you he's on my list. I mean, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll be brave. Um, the guy I finally went wait, with. Wait, wait. Are you going to be brave and opt into $37 million? Oh, you know, because those of us who really make the world go round. No, he wouldn't have said world go round. What did he say? He said, um, yeah. The, lead lead really into the future. Leading into tomorrow. Yeah. Leading in, yeah. Leading into the future by being, yeah. you know, brave enough to think outside the box. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, what I always say on the way to the bank to catch my paychecks too. So. It's all good. Um, that was a Kyrie Irving joke for any <laughs> jazz fans who are so deeply into the jazz that you don't know which player we're making fun of with that whole little aside. Um, the guy, the guy I, I finally put second. Um, and, and I know that this is going to sound weird because again, he, he didn't even crack. He played 612 minutes all season. But I don't think that that was an ability thing. I think it's because he was on a team that was focused on doing other things and developing some other guys to, to some good outcomes, by the way. And that's Robin Lopez. Um, I, I, put him, I put him second because I do think he's realistic at the minimum. Um, the rumor is that the Jazz had some dialogue there last year before Orlando showed up with inexplicably a $5 million offer for a player they didn't intend to use that much. It's kind of weird for Orlando, but whatever. That's, that's how some teams operate. Um, when he did play, he averaged, uh, let's not do per game. Let's do per 36 yeah. per 36. He averaged 15 and almost eight, which is almost exactly his career numbers. So that tells me that like, look, Robin Lopez is still there. Um, he's, he's 34 now. <clears throat> um, but if, but if he'd come for the minimum, I think that's exactly the kind of basketball IQ and just, you know, savvy that you want backing up Rudy Gobert and he's, and he's going to be okay with whatever role and he's not going to make a lot of noise and he's going to have fun with opposing teams, mascots. And so I, I think, you know, whatever you could like, there are other names on here that I'm more excited about from a basketball standpoint, but I left them as um, honorable mentions because I just feel like Lopez has a higher chance of happening. Lopez was actually not on my list, but that was an oversight. If what? he had, if he had been on my list, I must have just missed. I must have just flown past him. Or, in fact, at one point, I thought about him and thought, well, I'll, I'll just pick him up when I get down that far on the list. And I must have missed him. If he had been on my list, he probably would have been my second pick. All right. Well, so in nine minutes, we reached the hour mark. So let's go a little rapid fire here on on some of the other center names that you had on your list and that I had as, as honorables um, probably the next guy, the, the guy I gave the most consideration to usurping Rolo's spot is Nemanja Bialica. Um, a little different take on the center position. Um, we saw him switch a little bit more in the playoffs and, and to decent outcomes. Um, he had one game where he got kind of exposed and carved up a little but but on the whole, he did pretty well switching in the finals. Um, he's obviously a more skilled big in terms of shooting and being able to operate in space. So it would be a, it would be a, if the jazz wanted kind of a change up look and feel um, in the non go bear minutes. Um, I, I, I do think that that's some, that's a place they've looked in the past. Um, he's obviously a little older now, a little less productive, a little whatever, but uh, you know, again, coming off a situation where he played for the minimum. So is he, is he okay to play for the minimum or does he feel like, um, hang on, I want to double check that. Yeah. He played for the minimum. So, so is he okay, you know, kind of taking that again, or does he feel like, Hey, I sacrificed to go win a title and, and now I want to get paid. 
Um, I don't know, but uh, you know, his, his price range last year, at least was veteran minimum. Yeah. You nodded. I, so does that mean you had him too? Yeah. He was my next guy on my list. Okay. Give me the next guy. Unless you want to comment on Bielli. No, I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, the only reason I, I, the, his name gives me pause at this point is there was a rumor years ago that the jazz could have had him at some point and they, didn't pull the trigger and I don't remember the specifics. So it makes me wonder if at least that past version of the jazz thought that highly of him. But at this point that probably doesn't matter because the past version of the jazz is not the current version of the jazz as far as the decision makers. And as of today, the coach, so it doesn't really, right. It doesn't really matter. Um, all, all fair. Yeah. Um, another guy on my list, Damian Jones out of Sacramento, just a guy who can come in and, give you some big minutes and uh, probably still has maybe a little upside, although maybe not He's six years into his career, but he grabs a rebound every four minutes or so. And, and, you know, he might be more of a depth piece than a, than a primary backup, but he, he intrigued me. And honestly, I didn't, he had not hit my radar until I saw him on your list. Yeah. I, I listed him as, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I did a, I did a piece where I imagined a, a few different depth charts built around Donovan and Rudy, just to illustrate that like you could build a winning roster and, and still have those two. And I included him in one of those scenarios, but again, I think it was just because I was, I was looking for a depth piece at the minimum. Um, he like, yeah. So he's, he wasn't technically on my list for this exercise, yeah. but he's been on my radar obviously for that reason. Um, mostly just, he hasn't been like, all that good but you know to your point he's going to turn 27 the day after tomorrow so you know is he still at a point in his career where with the right direction he could get a little better produce a little differently maybe he's been in he's been in the same system really no that's not true he's, he's been in sack for two years spent a little time in golden state a little bit of time in atlanta had a year split between phoenix and la so i i don't know like to your point, he doesn't really excite me, but he is big. He's there. Yeah. Sorry, sidetrack. We, no, um, right. so the other guy. For a second, I thought there were more technical difficulties. No, no, I'm no. I'm going to throw this laptop in the toilet. Just up here. Okay. Yeah, the only other guys I had, you know, you could take a look at Bismack Wiyambo. He played decently. Um, has kind of a third center for Phoenix when they needed some help. So could he do the Hassan Whiteside role? Probably. I mean, it's it's a le much lower bar when you're playing behind Rudy Gobert because Rudy's yeah. going to play 32 or slightly more. Um, and then only if the Jazz used as one of these pieces to, to make a salary matching work if they moved on as a bookie, I could see him maybe going after Jalen Smith in that third center role. I don't know that that would be a second center though. You know, yeah. Jalen is sneakily. So he's on my list as a, as a guy, like he barely ever played in Phoenix and was kind of, I think beginning to be talked about as, as just a write-off and a developmental failure. And then he goes to Indiana with 22 games left in the season and has like a, a mini little breakout. He averages 13 points over the course of two months in Indiana. Um, he shoots 53, 37, and, and 76 in terms of his shooting splits. Um, efficiency way above league average, even, even above average for a big um, solid rebounding rate. Like I, I actually feel like Jalen Smith might be good still and Phoenix just didn't have a roster or a situation where they could really wait on him. And then what's interesting about him is because Phoenix had already proactively declined the fourth year option, he actually enters this season unrestricted. Right. Um, so, so he's more gettable than a 22 year old who was drafted in the top 10 should be. And I, I like, frankly, I think that that is worth a flyer to me. Um, even like, even if you plan on giving him some minutes, like, you know, he was, again, he was good once he got to Indiana and started playing. He just, 
in his Phoenix, in his uh, one and a half Phoenix seasons, he averaged 9.6 minutes per game in 50. No, sorry. Yeah. 9.6 minutes per game in 56 combined minutes across one and a half seasons. So he just really didn't get an opportunity down there in, in your land and then went to Indiana and was, you know, suddenly looked like a former top 10 pick who was developing. So I, I'm glad you mentioned him. I, um, they, you're right that they'd probably be nervous saying like, okay, this guy that's now Rudy Gobert's main backup is someone who has only been a rotation guy in the NBA for two months, but man, those two months were pretty solid. Right. The one thing I haven't looked up on him um, and whatever it does, like you have to decide how much you care about stats like this because of how little he's played, but I am kind of curious to see what his rim protection numbers look like. Um, yeah, not great. I mean, not like Rudy Gobert, Isaiah Hartenstein, great. He, he holds people to 57.5% at the rim. So that's like about average for a, for a rotation big. So whatever. I don't, I don't love him. I just, I think he's, I think he's intriguing. Yeah. Any other centers on your list? Uh, I, I think because, because there's some talk about Atlanta as a trade partner, like there's a scenario where the jazz could wind up with Gord, uh, Gorgie Dang mm. playing some minutes I, again, doesn't really excite me, but he's a veteran and can do some things. The, the only other guy I'd mentioned is mildly intriguing to me um, just because he was good before the injury or, or, or starting to look good is Thomas Bryant. Yeah. Um, he had worked his way into a starting role for Washington, but then he got hurt. And basically in the last three seasons, he's played a combined total of like 80 games. So um, I don't know what you do with that, but when he did play, I mean, he had a three year peak and again, games played is the big caveat here but over a three-year peak he averaged 12 points almost seven rebounds 60 percent from the field 37 percent from three and 23 minutes per game so he played sort of almost starter minutes and really produced some solid outcomes but again you just have to feel good that the health stuff is behind him he's only 24 he's about to turn 25 so you know at 25 bodies still heal better than my aged body does um and that's the only reason why i i think i think i'd probably have a conversation there but my but my medical staff would have to be involved in that decision is what i'm saying right well like i i mean i think your list and my list both showed that there's a whole lot of options available at the minimum for the bigs so that's not where i'm most concerned of course unless they decide to trade a go bear but if they trade a Gobert, they're likely going to get some kind of big back in that deal, I would imagine. But you never know. Or they, or they get the big back in the bogey deal or right, right, Mike right. deal or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I hear you. Um, I hear you. Well, I, I, you know, I don't. Did, did we get all your bigs? By the way, did we cover all yours? Yes. Okay. So you know, some some interesting names there. Um, it does feel like most of the most of the wings and guards either came with the caveat that like, Ooh, this guy is interesting, but not really all that big. Or they came with the caveat that, Ooh, this guy's interesting, but I'm not really sure he's affordable or gettable for the jazz. So with that said, maybe the way that they do those size upgrades is going to be through trade. Um, and maybe free agency is more about kind of upgrades around the margins, but, um, but I don't know. It'll be, it'll be, an interesting week for that reason. Yeah. By what's the, when does the moratorium end? July 6th? July 6th this year. July yeah. 6th. So yeah. yeah, should be a good one. One, one week to, uh, I assume probably have a press conference with a new coach tomorrow is my guess. And uh, then into the, into the frying pan uh, tomorrow, uh, no, the day after tomorrow. See, the brain is starting to go as it approaches midnight on my lack of sleep and my jet lag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go get some sleep. Um, we will uh, we'll obviously have a, a bunch more to talk about in, you know, potentially 48 hours time, maybe a little bit longer because 
as we mentioned, the Jazz probably aren't signing the front of the line free agents. They're signing maybe the the next couple of tiers or or, or you know waiting for some bigger dominoes to fall. Um, but also trades could happen at any moment. And and like we were talking about, there are certain scenarios that maybe are even more likely to happen before June 30th because they are easier to work on this year's cap sheet or you know, they, you want to do it when you still have some flexibility on how you could treat some salary guarantees or, or that sort of thing. So um, either way, I expect, a, I expect a weekend, and by weekend, I mean, you know, Thursday afternoon through Sunday with some not insignificant jazz news. All right. And if not, Dan will be frozen. Oh, you look frozen, frozen too. Well, in case people. Podcast, we'll have a whole bunch more coverage for you. Oh, there you go. You're back. Oh, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Okay. But we Uh, both, we both, we were kind of messed up there for a minute. Okay. I don't, well, we'll, we'll see who's frozen on the audio. Uh, I was just saying there should be some significant news at some point between now and Sunday. Um, and obviously we'll, we'll excitedly break that down whenever it does happen. Um, thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks Ken for doing this on very little sleep, go get some rest and, uh, we'll be back here at saltcityhoops.com to break down whatever happens with the jazz's off season as they head into a pivotal opportunity to reset their roster. Thanks. 